Witches on the Mountain Written and narrated by Enda Mangan This is episode 8 The man arose from his altar You could tell that the years had been unkind to this oracle For in his training he'd known the loss of family and loved ones like no other Transition can do that to a human He arose and walked towards the case of golden wands and took three of them carefully crafted wands and placed them in the hands of the girl with the red coat. Each wand a specific fit to a specific hand. She smiled at the man, his arms engraved in the stories of a world they both once knew. Every detail engraved in his skin told the story of life before the flu and after the flu had caused the great pandemic. She noticed a golden set of tarot cards in the corner of the room that sat face down. She smiled at him almost curious. Why have you never offered to read me, she inquired. His reply was sharp. I do not read the gifted. He bowed his head to discontinue the conversation. He continued to package away the ones that lay before him. She scoffed and laughed. She walked towards the table covered in a beautiful cloth of red flowers. The light of centerpiece, green, sat beaming down on the deck. The letter B engraved in a beautiful white gold gave completion to the deck's beauty. May I, she asked. He barely noticed her question. His mind still angered from her last visit and indeed her last question she had asked previously. She had been coming to him since she was a child with a specific one request each time. He was intriguing to her, she was intriguing to him. Intriguing to anyone that had spent time in both their company. She placed the red coat that she removed and sat it at the table, placing her firmly manicured nails upon the deck of cards below her. Suddenly a weird feeling started to travel from the deck to the tips of her gentle hands. She immediately abandoned the deck, causing great alarm to the oracle who was cautiously applying the final packages to the candles he'd requested. Please leave, he replied. Take your wands. I said and leave, he yelled angrily towards her. Do not ever touch them again. She quickly shrieked and exclaimed, I'm sorry, Mr. B. I did not mean to offend. He walked towards the table. The newly engraved candles now boxed away in his hands. I'm sorry, she said. I meant no harm. He touched the deck, still warm, the static bellowing almost like a slow cigar smoke rising up to both their noses. Come now, he replied, I have lots of work to do today. She protested again her innocence, but the oracle knew she was trying to manipulate him. She was frustrated. He was frustrated. You know where you find little trouble, lady, he said because you don't mind your business. You've always been that way since child, he informed her. Why don't you read me just once, she pleaded. I don't read you, he replied, because it's forbidden. She gently grabbed the box and walked towards him. Just once, please. He replied, no, 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 no. But for persistence, she replied, just once. Again, he replied, no. Eventually, he said, okay, but never ever touched him again. She giggled. Her tongue that was sticking out towards him, now visible, sat back down. The oracle closed the curtains that blocked out the sun from the cold mountains to the north. He locked the old wooden oak door, bolting it for fear of the elders arriving to the north. Unannounced, the sight of the oracle reading one of the forbidden would bring great hysteria to the elders. He grabbed two crystal glasses from the silver tray upon the piano where his last musical work of art was being kept company by a strange-looking cat. The girl in the coat often detested that cat. On previous meetings, she she could sense it watching her every move. 
She would wonder if it was the elders who placed the cat in the home of the particular oracle to observe and report him when the timing was right. Civil unrest between the elders and the oracles was not uncommon. Once students, now grown, most of the oracles, giving guidance and direction was not for them. And unlike the good oracles, this oracle was not known for his cooperation. He intrigued and infuriated them on a regular basis, scorned them, made jokes about them. She grabbed the two glasses that he handed her. He walked back to where he was filling a pipe of a beautiful white gold glass. He placed in it the plant one just like she used to transport herself to each destination over her years. She poured the whiskey into the glass. Across the room a mouse seemed to catch the attention of the cat as he gazed away from their view focusing on it rather than them. The oracle placed his hands on the deck of tarot cards. The letter engraved on the back of the deck became alive, producing the most magical of rainbow colours. Nervous, she sipped from the whiskey glass the lettering on the back started to rise from the card, seeping into the hands like electricity. He placed the first card on the table, adjusting the light on the green table lamp. The first card had three young girls holding hands, all in black dresses, facing a mountain that was on fire. He was concerned. She had seen that look before. He inquired, have you found them yet? She told the oracle she had that they were safe in London till it was time. The oracle repeated again, do not, do not approach them till it's time or everything will be lost, no matter their sentiment, he added. She agreed. The rest, he asked, have you found each one? Yes, she informed the oracle. They will be there at the end, I feel. She sadly sighed. Good, the oracle replied, for the next card that follows will give them direction and you direction. He turned the card, almost its entire image gave life. Both their minds now available to receive the card's energies, protected from outside sources. They both watched as images of riots, war, illness, poverty descend above their heads. People in masks, isolated in homes, food shortages. The oracle explained to her that the war and illness were soon coming again. She nervously sipped her glass of whiskey, her mind now in a state of concern. We need to bring them together, she quickly muttered. The oracle in agreement nodded his head. Yes, yes, we must, child. From the oracle's grey beard, he looked concerned as he placed the next card down. It was a mountain on fire. A young girl looking to its peak, watching its demise. Powerless to intervene as fear edged across her face. She was covered in dirt. Behind her were people emerging from the forests, others following her path in concern. The, car the tarot card now hovering above their heads, visibly showing the destruction of some sort of battle. She looked at the oracle almost in fear. Child, the oracle looked to her. The cards will change, but only we can gather the gifted at the mountain at end of days. This is a must, a must, a necessity for civilization. Remember, child, he said quietly, that before each one arrives in the mountain, there is one that makes the journey, one that they determine the outcome of the civilization. Find that one. For the elders who have seen that figure in many dreams, in many visions, they know that this is the one. In awe, she felt inspired to ask, who it is it? Soon, he said, you will know. Soon they will reveal themselves to you. Look for them at the mountain at end of days. The last card is for you, dear, he replied. He turned it over. Her eyes became tearful. She held his hand and smiled at him. Only, he replied, only if the battle is won will this card reveal its truth. Both were caught on awareness that the sound of the mice's demise became more apparent. 
The cat now dummy's daily execution of innocent mice returned to the feet of the woman in the red coat and the blonde hair, dropping the deceased carcass in front of her, hissing at her, and then returned to the piano, leaping back to its perch of surveillance. Both the oracle and the girl laughed hysterically. I guess it's time I left, she laughed. Remember the oracle warned her. Get them to the mountain, child. For all of us, our very place in civilization depends on this. She grabbed the wands, placed them into her red coal pockets, turned towards the old wooden door. She hopped over its threshold. Outside her, black boots stepped onto the soft clouds that were above, that were before her. She sat on the cliff beds of clouds above the sky. She lit her gold glass pipe, placed the diamond earbuds into her ears and gently placed some of the plants she carried in her golden case, lit it and inhaled. Her boots elevated, her eyes closed. The mystic magical sounds from her earbuds brought her into the night sky. Her body remained still as her soul transported her into the great night, the stars and the moon, her guide. Her soul drifted over farms, hills, mountains, towns, cities. She shrieked in great delight. Morning was pending. Her destination was to be a little suburban town in the west of London. She arrived at the windsill of a red-bricked house. It seemed that all were asleep except one. A young child sat awake, sad and confused. For weeks she knew that her sisters and her were being sent to stay in Colorado with their aunt, the schoolteacher. Since their parents divorced, all three of the kids knew that with talk of pandemic and civil unrest in the streets of London, it was only a matter of time before their safety became a concern to their parents. Except for one. For these three sisters, it seemed inevitable that they would be packed away safe. For two years now, governments had been at odds over food shortages and most blamed one another for civil unrest in each of their country's war could and would be inevitable. She watched as a child tried to close its eyes as tears trickled down its cheeks. She tried to drift away from the window. The woman in the red coat accidentally touched the glass window pane with her fingers, her nails almost awakening the others. That slept. Soundly, she wanted to comfort the child. It was in her instinct she was empathic but any contact would cause alarm or change the direction of everyone's fate. Morning came, and with it the sound of a car horn, awakened the three young girls that slept soundly. Outside a black cab on the wet cobblestone streets required their attention. The driver's voice was familiar. He put his bacon sandwich aside and rolled down the window, yelling to the bedroom, Flights, you're going to miss your flights. The oldest girl now awake to the commotion yelled at the other two, Sisters, startled, they awoke in hysteria. Laughing, they rushed to get their belongings. The house, now once full of memories, was cold and haunted, since their mother had left unexpectedly two months before without warning. The father left with no choice knew Colorado was a safe place for his girls. His sister-in-law, his brother's wife, was a teacher in the state of Colorado. His brother, a fondness for American girls, had met her while climbing the famous Manitou Incline in Colorado Springs. Both had met in a little pub at the foot of the incline. As they entered the car, the cab driver was directed, was distracted by an old familiar face he once had met, walking past the cab on the path across from the street. The woman smiled, catching his attention. He acknowledged her presence, nodded his head towards her, and they both smiled. But confused and almost a daze-like, tried to remember how he did know her. The car turned the corner. Each child looked back towards the old house where they had spent most of their life. Tears were not for them, for they were hardened by life of late. The car pulled up towards the terminal of the Heathrow, and the young lady's bags and toe hopped out, hugged their pop as he hugged them, knowing with the great war emerging that safety was ever more important 
and also knowing that he might not see them again. As the plane taxied the runway, all three girls were seated together. Excitement and sadness were evident. The youngest child smiled as a beautiful haired, blonde-haired woman in a red coat sat across from her. Her beautiful long nails were noticed by the eldest child, forever looking out for fashion. She caught the eye of the elegant woman. They both smiled. Colorado is so beautiful in winter, she spoke in their direction. Yes, the oldest replied. We are going to stay with Auntie. She lives at the foot of the mountains in Colorado Springs. She's a teacher there, the youngest boasted out loud. She was greeted with an innocent smile. How nice, the woman replied. As the plane was about to land, the captain announced some turbulence as it arrived into Denver Airport. The winds had been high that morning in Colorado. There was a bit of a commotion as they tried to descend. The youngest noticed that the passenger was no longer in her seat during the commotion. The others, distracted by the beautiful mountain range, finally from the cam. On the seat where the passenger sat was a package addressed to each child. Confused, she picked it up, tore its wrapping. Inside lay three beautiful handcrafted wands, each with a symbol unfamiliar to the child's eyes. In awe, she hurriedly placed them in her backpack. She smiled to herself, almost excited about the mysterious stranger and her mysterious gift she had left behind for all of them. How did she vanish from her seat? All the questions the young child kept to herself. The others, unaware of the passenger's disappearance, had only excitement for new lands. They had yet to explore, never noticed that the stranger's disappearance. It was Monday morning, December 2019, and Colorado was preparing for Christmas. The airport was hectic. A woman with long red hair approached the young girls as they hugged her with great delight. Above their heads, a monitor showed a news station report of a, of a flu outbreak in China at a marketplace in Wuhan. Unaware of its importance, the three girls and their aunt departed its airport and took the I-25 towards the city of Colorado Springs. A message from the author. I would like to thank everybody for supporting this podcast and sharing it. It means a lot to me. I would like to dedicate this episode to Courtney Haldi, a very special and amazing human. Enjoy. Please share and thank you for your support.